0: Hi friends, it's Abby Feeder, Certified Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the road to parenthood, which is never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional success along the way. I love our guests today because you know I love talking to partnerships. So this is a business partnership to work wives, let's say, and they of course were both impacted by infertility and changed the course of their careers based on their own experiences, but they are the founders of Rescripted, which reaches 9 million readers in terms of blog posts, video content, and all kinds of educational tools available. But like all partnerships, I like to know how they met, how they started working together, how their own fertility journeys led them to this work and to their relationship. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Here's Kristen and Abby of Rescripted. Hey, so I'm here with Kristen and Abby, and I think the most fun fact about the three of us, which is actually pretty bonkers, is that our three infertility journeys could not be more different, and we'll get into it, but all three of us have boy-girl twins that are going to turn five within the next year. Like, that is (laughs) Bonkers. bonkers.
1: I honestly didn't even put two and two together before this call. Like I knew that we all had twins separately, but I wasn't even thinking about it, but that is amazing.
0: It's the so most bonkers
2: thing I've ever really heard in my weird. whole entire life. Yeah, <laughs> it's really
0: weird because, like, we're different ages, we have different journeys. So, so why don't we start with each of your separate journeys, and then we can talk about how you ended up together? Whichever one of you wants to start is great. Abby,
1: you can start because. Oh, okay. For me, we'll be here all day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see where do I begin. Okay, personally, so my fertility story rewinds all the way back to 2018 so my husband Sean and I so we met we met in college that was way before 2018 but Anyway, so met in college, I'm like super type A, and I was like, okay, we're gonna, you know, get married, and two years later, we're gonna have a baby, and two years after that, we're gonna have another baby, and, you know, then life will be life, and there will be, and it'll be great. And so, obviously, the best, like, plans, that did not happen, and so I remember we went on a trip to Spain, and we are like, oh, we're gonna pull the goalie, like, tonight, you know i even bought like a little like dream catcher made of white feathers like put over the baby like put in the baby's nursery like that's how much like that's how convinced i was that like we would get pregnant that first time little did i know we were infertile and so kept trying and trying and trying didn't work i again like very type a and so about three months into TTC, I said, I just, I know it in my gut. I can just like tell something is wrong. And so we went to our local fertility clinic and I got tested and there didn't seem to be anything going on with me, but Sean got tested and he had low motility and poor morphology, very, very much so. So we were told that we would need to move forward with ART, start out with an IUI. And then, you know, if that didn't work, move to IVF. And so, you know, a lot of people have to do a lot Of IUI cycles before they moved to IVF, and for us, it was we'll do one IUI because it's like kind of inexpensive, but you know, like you guys are pretty much gonna have to do IVF, so that was a huge shock. And so, you know, we did we underwent two, three months of testing, and you know, we did IUI, it didn't work, it failed miserably, we almost didn't do it. They were like, the sperm wash did not go well, do you still want to do this? And I was like, I don't know, I mean. Okay, I guess. And then um, moved to IVF. So this was May of 2019. And the um, protocol um, at the clinic that I was going to, CCI on the Cure in Colorado, they wanted us to do a priming cycle. And so um, we, you know, I was to Explain
0: what that is for anyone who might not know.
2: So it's essentially priming your body with the medications that you're going to take during your actual retrieval cycle and like not having your, you know, retrieval cycle be like a total shock to your body when you start it. And, you know, some clinics do it. Some bodies need it. Some bodies do not need it. So anyway, that's for your, your the doctor but so we did a priming cycle and we became unknowingly pregnant which was like absolutely crazy we didn't not we didn't know that we are pregnant and I was taking cetratide and not only was I taking cetratide but I overdosed on cetratide so I think I took like three or five x more cetratide than I was supposed to be taking short of it
0: really quick cetratide you were taking in order to not ovulate like because they were priming your body Exactly. And so they were giving you too much. That's a whole other story. They um, gave
2: me too much. I gave myself too much. You gave yourself too much. Like the little paper sheet. I was like, oh, well, I mean, the the truth is we're on a camping trip. And so the little paper sheet, I thought I I was supposed to give myself more than – I actually was. And so I did, and the short of it is tide and an early pregnancy do not mix. And so unfortunately I miscarried. And that day forward, I became like very passionate about medication management and IVF. And so a couple of months later, we decided to transfer two embryos. And those are Max and Amy, who are four.
0: I wanna ask each of you when we get there, how you decided to transfer two embryos because mm-hmm. it's generally uncommon at this point, or not best practice necessarily, and especially at a clinic like CCRM, I'm surprised they were good with it. So, how did you come to that decision?
2: Honestly, it was a it was a financially driven decision, which is something that I hope it's like a decision that I hope nobody has to make. Like ten years from now, we're not going to be making these like financially driven decisions that are. You know, like, I love my twins. I would never take a back. I think we just really must feel that way. But it was a very difficult pregnancy and very dangerous birth. My kids were preterm and, you know, there's still some after effects that we're dealing with right now, like four years after they were born. So it was, you know, we said, we're going to do IVF, like one and done. We want two kids and we're just going to do this once. And And um, they let you. And they let us, and you know they told us the risks. Um, I also have a twin uncle, you know, from my perspective. And I'm like an optimist. I'm like, oh, I'm not like nothing will, nothing bad will happen. And I'm like, I will be fine. Like, I will buck the trend. So, um, anyway, it's it's a it's a definitely a complex thing to talk about. But it's you know it's really not something that is supported today for sure amazing
0: okay so we'll get back to it kristen tell us about your twins yeah i was just thinking how my decision to transfer to embryos
1: was slightly different because my i was only 28 when i did ivf and so we didn't genetically test our embryos and that's why i was allowed to transfer to I don't know that they would have let me if they were genetically normal. I know now they probably would have like strongly discouraged it, but this was over five years ago now. But anyway, yeah, so I had to do IVF because I have PCOS. I did several rounds of IUI prior and none of them worked. My issue is really that I don't ovulate or ovulate very irregularly. I knew sort of like right when I came off the pill that something was wrong. So like Abby, I didn't really need to, like I didn't really let it go the whole like year long of trying to conceive at home because I knew something was wrong sort of right away. And I went to my OB-GYN, got diagnosed, sent right to a fertility clinic. So, but I always say that like I was in the waiting room of a fertility clinic, way of like my body was there but my mind was like, what the hell? Like I'm 27 years old and you know, you're saying like, okay, I just don't really ovulate, but to me that doesn't equal like fertility clinic. Like, I don't know. It was just like, there was such a disconnect and no one I knew was going through treatments, let alone even trying to conceive at the time. So it was just really isolating. And I kept being told like, you're so young, you know, IUI with Clomid is going to work for you. And I would just do cycle after cycle and it it wouldn't work. And so then by the time I got to IVF, I was kind of like ready. I was like, just do what's going to work. And, you know, little did I know then, but IVF isn't a guarantee. But thankfully, that time I did work and I, I got my twins and they just started kindergarten. And, and yeah, like I wouldn't change it for the world. But I have just come off of another fertility journey trying to have a third where I went back to use my remaining embryos and I've had five transfers that have not resulted in a baby. So I've kind of seen both sides of it. Like, you know, for all intents and purposes, like quick IVF success versus like we have no idea why this isn't working with genetically normal 28 year old embryos. So now I'm sort of in the boat where I don't know what my next step is. I am going the nutrition route. Right now, like the functional medicine route, just to get to the bottom of what's going on and get my period back, hopefully, so that not even necessarily for the sake of like getting pregnant right away, but it's just like not wanting to go back on birth control until menopause. Like, like, you know, there's so many issues like women deal with, and it's like not always for the sake of fertility, even. It's like, what if I don't want to do birth control? Like, is that my only option, you know? So, That's where I'm at. I've definitely come a long way in the past couple of years from like, I know I want three and I'll go to the ends of the earth for it, to just going through a lot of trauma and like also getting to a point where my kids are getting a little bit easier. And, you know, I just want to enjoy life with them. And, I actually made the decision last week to like, not go to an IVF appointment because like at the last minute, I was just like, I'm not willing to sacrifice my mental and emotional health for what 40% chance at at another baby. So, I mean, that can change from day to day, but that's my (laughs) long-winded where I'm at now and uh, the update, I guess.
0: I love it. So the first transfer were your twins. My first
1: transfer didn't implant. It was with one embryo. And then my second transfer, I had 12 embryos. I have PCOS, so I got a lot of eggs, got a lot of embryos. But I always say, like, quality over quantity because first transfer didn't implant. And then knowing they were not genetically tested, I said, can we increase the odds and put two in? And they both stuck.
0: (laughs) And so when you went back with those same embryos, they thawed them untested, biopsied them, refroze them sent it out for testing so you were working with embryos that had been thawed and refrozen yeah
1: yes and like maybe part of me wonders if that had something to do with why they didn't implant but you know i also have i also got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease um two years postpartum I have Hashimoto's, and like you know i'm also older now like i don't know like i'm like i don't know i'm basically at the point where i don't know if it was the embryos or my body
0: yeah and i didn't mean to imply that it was the embryos i just wanted to make sure i was following to see like i didn't know if you had another retrieval or not
1: no but i think that's like an important thing an important dilemma to point out because it's like you kind of can only do with fertility treatments like process of elimination it's like i don't know if it was the embryos i actually still have two genetically normal girl embryos left in the freezer and like as much as I'm tempted to use them, I like just have such bad juju about this batch of embryos and, but I can't bring myself to do another retrieval. I just, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much more I've been through so much and like, there's just so much more to life right now than like putting, like I, I, my mental health is more important to me right now. And like my family is more important to me right now than which is completely different answer than I would have given like a year ago.
0: And do you think you've gotten there because of the more health journey that you're on?
1: No, I think it's just like
0: disappointment after
1: disappointment. And, you know, I took a lot of breaks in those two years because I wanted to prioritize my family above all else. But like, I have a lot of guilt. Like every time you go through a cycle with secondary infertility, you're leaving your kids in the morning before school. You're, you know, not yourself you're on medication your brain fog this and that like it's a sacrifice and i'm it's not a sacrifice i'm willing to make right now anymore like at least at this moment but it sucks because the desire hasn't gone away you know can i just say that
2: you're so strong
1: thank you i mean the desire hasn't necessarily gone away but i just i was saying earlier like just because you can do something sometimes doesn't
2: mean you should And I feel like Kristen and I, we talk a lot about that, like, you know, like obviously we're business partners, but we're like, Kristen's one of my best friends. And so like, we talk a lot about this and it's like fertility treatments can be really challenging physically. And like, we both have very different diagnoses and like very different journeys that have resulted in like strikingly similar outcomes. But I think like it it really rings true that it's not been the physical challenge Really, for either of us, it's been a, like the mental challenge. Like, that was my, on my journey, that was absolutely my challenge. Um, and it actually, like, I didn't see the mental health challenge before, like, until, like, I didn't have mental health challenges while I was in clinic. For me, it was before. Um, and I, you know, I think that's different for Kristen, just like knowing her story so well. But it's like, it's a mental health situation for sure. It's like, mm-hmm. it makes it so hard.
0: Yeah. I think as women, especially, we tend to think even if it is a physical problem, we can just endure it and just deal with it like we mm-hmm. always have, but which is not what we should do. And my, like, I'm not advocating for that or condoning it. I just think it's how we're conditioned. And only because mental health has started to become such a prominently talked about important piece of life that I think we are willing to say, well, I'm not going to sacrifice my mental health, you know? Yeah. And I think it's so it is. It's very strong. And I think with secondary I, I'm I'm sure you agree and, and chime in if you don't, but it is about reimagination of what your life Maybe. looks like in much more of a way. I mean, certainly with primary infertility, but you get dead set on a particular vision or a particular dream of what your family should look like or what you always thought it would look like. And really, I guess this is the case with all infertility, but I find it a little bit harder in secondary, especially after, if you didn't have problems the first time in your case, you did need help. But like, I don't understand, I did this once, why can't it happen again? It doesn't make any sense. I have to keep going, I have to keep going. And I think it's very admirable that not only are you taking a step back, but you're willing to say that you're taking a step back right now Then it might not be forever. And I think keeping yourself open to possibility and hope is very hard. And I think it's like really great of you.
1: Thanks. Yeah. And also being told by doctors that like everything looks normal. Yeah. That's just frustration. If I had like something I could change or like something like some sort of like new diagnosis or what, I mean I do have the Hashimoto's but that's managed and I've been told that it's not a factor. A reason. Yeah. But it's like, you know, when everything came back normal on every single test under the sun over the course of those two years, it's like, well, shit. Like, yeah. and I think that's why I didn't end up moving forward with, with the egg retrieval because, like, my biggest fear is that we're just not catching whatever the reason is. Mm-hmm. And I go through the egg retrieval fine that's two weeks that is what it is but then we get to a transfer and we haven't really gotten to the bottom of what what it is or why they're not sticking so it's just like it's like a it's a hamster wheel and i just like want all.
2: yeah and you're not a <laughs> exactly. hamster <laughs>
0: exactly okay so talk to me about your business meet cute how did you meet tell us what you were doing sort of i would love to know what you were doing before infertility and then your initial work after you went through this experience and then how you came together.
2: So I was a venture capital investor, and I was working the energy industry, very different from the industry that um, we're all in right now. And um, I was investing. We were in the lack
0: of energy industry now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I was in, investing mostly in B two B SaaS, and you know, immediately prior to that, I worked for a handful of energy startups, just in, in various capacities. You know, sometimes as a co founder, sometimes as a you know, in business development, sometimes in finance, and started my career in finance. And in my dream, role. I was constantly looking across the table and seeing these entrepreneurs that we are investing in. We are investing with in Series A, Series B, and I was jealous, straight up. I was looking at these at these folks, and I was I was like, "Wow, you, you're having so much fun, and like you're creating." And my dream in life is to create, just like you. Like I'm really happy I'm getting this experience, but I don't think that this is the you know, the place where I'm going to be, where I'm going to contribute to humanity in the best way. And so I knew that I wanted to either start my own business or join a young team and just be really instrumental in like business strategy and whatnot. And so when our fertility struggles came along, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I think I need to do that. Like, I I think I need to be involved in this industry. Like there's so much wrong and, you know, it's causing so much pain for so many people. And so I ended up Coming up with Best Shots with Kristen and my co founder, Pear. And, you know, it it was a very different business. It was kind of a a niche B2B2C medication management platform. It was a great company. And, you know, we piloted with a handful of very large fertility clinics. But, you know, I I remember that there was a November of 2020, and, you know, Pear and I. I think we had, we got together for coffee and we were like, man, it just feels like with this business model, we're not gonna touch like enough people. And I would say the three of us, all three co-founders are very passionate about helping people. Like this is a very mission driven company. And so, you know, that was something that was like very important to us. And um, so we said, all right, well, how do we reach more people? Um, Like more and more people are being diagnosed with infertility, like, you know, like we need to go directly to the consumer. And so, you know, we started, Thinking about how to build a direct to consumer business. And we had a, a, a native application, a smartphone app um, that we put on the App Store. And in the process of trying to promote it, I had an influencer strategy. And so I went to the largest, quote-unquote, influencer um, in the space, which was one Kristen Hodgson And I said, hey, will you do an Instagram Live with me? <laughs> um, yeah. And she did. And I remember, like, you know, we got a couple of people who downloaded the app, so it was a success. But I was just, like, so taken by her and, like, her empathy and her, you know, sensitivity towards issues and just like her thoughtfulness, um, you know, as she as she thinks about like humans and feelings and like bodies and like what how all of these three things interact. And so um in the next couple of weeks, she and I like got on multiple calls and, you know, I straight up I was like, Hey, like what do you want to do? And she's like, I wanna, you know, make this content publishing platform a business. But like I'm a little stuck. And I said, Well, You know, and she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I like have so many ideas, but like, I don't know, I don't understand the consumer and you know, I I need help. And so it just kind of clicked. And I said, it feels like we should work together. Like it feels like I have what you want and you have what I want and I like you and it feels like we'd be great business partners. So I pitched her on um, combining our businesses. So that's where I leave you. (laughs) Kristen what's
0: your and side?
1: Time, and at the time things had sort of come to a head for me because I worked in book publishing for eight and a half years um, out of college um, and I loved it but books are my one of my great loves of my life <laughs> in addition to writing and I would say like the Fertility Tribe is kind of an extension of like all of those passions but or was um, but I'm at the time it was covid i had no child care i was still working in publishing from home and i was working on what was then the fertility tribe on the side so yeah everything sort of came to a head and i said um, i have to leave my full-time job if i'm going to continue to juggle anything at all otherwise i'll drop all of the plates and if i'm ever gonna like sort of see if this could work in and I could actually grow this this business into something real. So never ended up, but never ended up really staying home with the kids slash doing a fertility trip part-time because I ended up meeting Abby right around that time and then we merged our businesses. So um, it just felt like divine timing. And like she said, she had what I needed and I had what she needed. And it, um, you know, the three of us as co-founders just really jived. and. I, we have so much respect and trust for each other. Um, and we all sort of stay, in, stay in our own lanes, but it's also such a culture of collaboration. Um, and yeah, it's just been such an awesome ride and we are able to touch like the, still touch the whole fertility community,
2: but now we So tell all-
0: us, tell us that, like, tell us what you did, what you, what it is now.
2: So today, we're a, um, we're a media platform,
0: um, which you know
2: has always been the heart of what we do. So um, we reach about 9 million people on a monthly basis, and we're the leading global media platform for all women and their health. And we like to say whoever they are, whenever it is, and wherever they're at. We're all about providing education and empowerment, really from first period to last period.
0: And just to say, I don't get my period anymore, but lots <laughs> of your information still applies to me, so it's even beyond last period. There you go. Um, yes. Okay, so tell me all, all the ways that you reach people. Like, what media do you host?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we put out media in four different formats um, right now, but we're always like coming up with new formats, which is part of the most. It's like probably the most fun thing about you know working at a startup and building a startup with my co-founders and our employees. Um, so editorial, so you know, that's, that's how most people find us. So 80% of our site traffic comes from organic search. So, you know, we want to get the people who are Googling, why don't I get my period anymore? And, you know, for them to find us and to, you know, understand why and, you know, what to do about it or how to be okay with it or whatever the case may be, but just to, you know, get that information that we didn't learn in sex ed. So Editorial, social video. So, you know, we really lean into our social platforms. We provide um, edutainment um, because that's how, you know, people like to engage on social these days. Um, so, you know, it's mostly Instagram and TikTok, but you can really find us on, you know, all of the social all the social networks. Um, We're also, we're launching our influencer network called Rescripted Voices in in a couple of weeks now, um, which is a really fun extension to our brand. So, you know, uh, this is, it, it came from just this obscene amount of misinformation and disinformation that we see on the internet and in social media. And so, you know, this is us wrapping our arms around you know, a lot of these influential voices and saying, we love the content that you're producing. We want to amplify it. Um, and so, you know, that, that's what Rescripted Voices is. And it's something that's, you know, really exciting for us to be launching. So social video is, is the second. Um, we have four podcasts. Um, Kristen has a podcast that she hosts. Um, I have a podcast that I host, and we have a couple others um, as well. And then newsletters. We love putting out newsletters. We love being um, right in our communities ad boxes. So, um, yeah, that. That's yeah, cool. I was gonna mention yeah. our
1: newsletters because I'm yeah. super excited about them at the moment. I have a newsletter that I put out called The Cycle, so it's all things, fertility and infertility, pregnancy loss, you know, trying to conceive, all of hormone health, all that stuff. Um, and then we have a new newsletter called Sex Ed Rescripted, um, with everything you should have learned in Sex Ed but didn't. So head to rescripted.com and and subscribe. Yeah. Never miss an issue.
2: We always do say, like, we provide content tools and resources. So it's you know, rescripted isn't just content, like it's it's tools and resources. And so, you know, what does that mean in addition to the content? It's like we have a community for people to engage. We're making some like big changes to our community that we're really excited about. This is launching in tandem with rescripted voices, but you know, essentially like we've been mostly fertility focused with our community in years past, but you know, really relaunching so we can have authentic conversations about all things women's health. You know, also we have like a full affiliate shopping site. So you can find a lot of amazing deals on rescripted.com for women's health products that you see literally everywhere. Um, And, you know, everything from women's health to like diet and nutrition, fitness and exercise, living, etc., all the things that contribute to just being a healthy and well woman. And then we have um, we're partnered with two pharmacies, actually. Um, so it's just a um, so we're partnered with Wisp on the um, kind of the general guide side, and we're partnered with Reunite on um, the ICF Med side. So you know, it's technology that we've built to kind of make getting meds a lot easier for patients. Well,
0: let's get. I want to get into each of these things yeah. briefly, but like how do you choose what you're going to put on your site? Because there are, I know that with you guys, my cards are featured on your site. They ha- I mean, they have been when you first launched and each of your products is very bespoke, not bespoke not the right word, tailored and handpicked. And so I'm curious, mm-hmm. like what are the important things that you look for when you're going to put a product on your site?
1: well i think even more so than products just in general when it comes to women's health and fertility like science matters (laughs) like um, abby mentioned the misinformation and disinformation like we really you know we have companies that we really believe in the science behind them and you know we don't believe in misleading consumers and there's just so much out there that you can do. so we really want to for your, your help, but we want to really cut through that noise and say, "Okay, if you have pcOS, this is what we recommend.
0: amazing. Kristen, you were doing your own thing. Abby, you had been in other business partnerships, I imagine. So how did you approach, really from like a business perspective, how you were going to make this work together?
2: Man, I mean, I don't think there was like any other way but to split the baby. <laughs> Like truly I, and you know, Kristen and I are like super open about this. Like, you know, we're a third, a third, a third. Like that's, that's how it works. And you know, that's how it must work. Like we don't, like, I think the three of us are, like we have an incredibly high degree of respect for one another and, you know, we don't get in each other's way. And, you know, we have deep trust for one another. And, you know, for, you know, Kristen to, you know, like better deal me wouldn't be right for paired a better deal. Kristen wouldn't be right for, you know, and, and either, any way you skin it, like that just didn't feel right for us. So, um, yeah, that's how we put together the business. Tell deal. us and we're open what about it, who's
0: pair, who's pear and What does he do? Oh, he's
2: our CTO. He's our third co-founder. Pear, I
0: feel like he's always either like, no, and it's then okay. there's the third. I know he's good with it, but
2: yeah, like... he would come on this podcast and be like, I had my kids really easily. And yeah. we all want to punch him in the face. So,
0: yeah. And how you knew him from your company before?
2: So, well, yeah. So he was my co-founder in Best shy, Um, And we met, man, like, through a friend of a friend. Um, but Pair's great. He's, he's fantastic. He, like, you know, very much keeps us in line. And, you know, is a huge voice in the business as well. And
1: I would say, like, my biggest fear going into the partnership was just, like, losing my creative freedom because I had built the Fertility Tribe, like, you know from scratch, it was my baby, like I didn't want the voice to be compromised, like that empathy to the fertility community um I didn't want it to become like super corporate you know, like I just wasn't sure what was gonna happen, and um, I think the great thing is like the three of us have all very different skill sets, like Abby's always kind of let me say in my lean as far as like just being the creative person and head of like head of content. And then she hand, she's the CEO, it's like stuff I don't even want to touch, nor would you want me near. <laughs> and there has the, the, all the technology and it's like, it just works. I think it would have been really hard for me to partner with someone who had like a very similar skill set to me that like might step on my toes um, just because, you know, when you when you it's begin on your own and out of your personal trauma. <laughs> It's like,
0: it's very precious. <laughs> and how many people are you now in terms of your whole team?
2: We employ and kind then of full-time, part-time freelance all together, anywhere between 25 and 30 people on a monthly basis.
0: Amazing. And this is what I always say to people, and it's horribly depressing, but also horribly exciting. Like, we're never going to run out of people to work with in this field. There will always be infertility, unfortunately. What is the worst part about working in this field, do you think? And what is the best part about working in this field? Oh, you can um, think about this. Like, I don't know that I have an answer even if somebody were to ask me this question. Yeah. But I'm really curious how you look at it because you're really in it day and yeah. day.
2: Out. I think so for me, the worst part of working in this business is that and, you know, it's like you learn something new every day about business and about women's health. But I think. Kristen's season five of her podcast, Dear Fertility, which is kind of our marquee podcast, like really made me realize that it's like, we don't have like an interconnected healthcare system that talks to itself and to each other. And like, it makes me have like, not that I didn't have so much conviction already, but it gives me that much more conviction um, about what we're doing. Like everything is interconnected. This is 360, especially for women's health. Like, this is what's going on inside your body, but it's also what you're putting in your body. It's how your body is moving. It's what's going on in your mind. And, like, it's the products that you're ingesting and, like, putting on your skin and, like, you know, using in your home. And so, like, we just don't, like, the system is not built for that. And so, that is endlessly frustrating to me. And I feel like we, where like we just learned a lot about that through Kristen's podcast, Susan. So please take a listen um, and give us a rating and a review while you're at it. Um, I so only, I will say I that five um, okay. So that's like my worst thing, and then like I think the best thing. And like, Abby, you know this. You've like had a lot of our like co-founder friends on on this pod, but like the community is so amazing, and and like I, I think specific to. To fertility and you know women's health as well but like everybody has a story and that's what's like so amazing about this industry everybody has a story we're all friends we all know each other like we're trying to lift each other up um so it's just it's an amazingly like tight-knit close community um that that all knows each other so
1: that would be my best thing too. Like I've been meeting a lot of new people lately through my kid's school, and I—I I was joking with my friend. I'm like, I have—I don't have the ability for small talk anymore. I'm like, what's, your <laughs> I'm like, what's your trauma? Like, I, I feel I- like
0: that's actually a really good point that's related to infertility too. It's just in a good I mean I've never I can small talk but like I'm so much more about quality over quantity in terms of relationships Mm, but I think when you experience a trauma like you're saying you're just like why bother like let's just focus on what's important to us
1: and I find that like when I open up with something about my fertility struggles it gives other people like comfort a comfort level to open up to me about whatever it is that because everyone has their thing yeah um so I would say that's my best thing and the worst thing I would say just like the past two years going through this again would just be like knowing too much. Like it's constantly in your face, the good stories and the bad stories. Like it's like, yes, IVF works. But then like for some reason in this community, maybe because it's just like so insular, it's like, I see these horrific things like, you know, miscarriages or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, Oh gosh, like, I don't know if I could handle that again. Like I've been through that. Like, you know, it's just like, whereas when I went through it with before my twins, even like um ignorance was bliss. Like it mm-hmm. was like, I always have to make a conscious effort to like separate work and
2: personal. Heart. Which is impossible in a startup. Like impossible. Yeah, but, but that's
1: why I've been really happy that we've been branching out to women's health as well, because I am so passionate about like the reason I'm here in the first place is because I didn't know enough about my body 10 years ago. And so just really sp- starting to speak to that. We really believe that like knowledge is power. And if you, you know, if we provide the information, tools and resources from first period to last period that a woman needs when she, you know, has a question about her body, that really empowers her to then take that to her, her healthcare provider it just keeps that 360 conversation going, helps her get answers, helps her know how to advocate her-
0: for herself, like just helps everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just in closing here, is there any like phrase or saying or cliche that you like to live by or think about every day?
2: I've got one. Do something every day that scares you.
0: Mm, like if
2: you're, not, if you're not scaring yourself, you're not learning. And if you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're probably not satisfied. Love that one.
1: I would say... I'm a big reader, and I love Cheryl Strayed, so if you haven't read anything by her, I would highly recommend Wild and Tiny Beautiful Things, but there's a million quotes by her that just resonate with me so deeply this is a really good one actually two and we we should end on this because it's just too good so i knew that if i allowed fear to overtake me my journey was doomed fear to a great extent is born of a story we tell ourselves and so i chose to tell myself a different story from the one women are told i decided i was safe i was strong i was brave nothing could vanquish me Um, (sighs) so And the other one is don't surrender all your joy for an
0: idea you used to have about yourself
1: that isn't true anymore. So. That one
0: is so complex. I feel like we could do a whole episode just on those two quotes. Thank you. Those are all three <laughs> really good ones. Really, really good ones. Mic
1: drop, not my quotes, but I just yes. uh, the best.
0: <laughs> you chose them. That's a big deal. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies. I can't wait to see you next month. And thanks for being here. We love what you're doing always. By the way, one of the things I forgot to mention with Kristen and Abby is that I run their support groups, so if you are looking for a support group with other like-minded people going through infertility, Rescripted does offer one bi-monthly, and it's run by me. You can check out their website. You just have to register for them. It's free. It's sponsored by various fertility clinics, pharmaceutical companies, and it's a really great place, safe space to talk about whatever you're going through. Thank you so much for listening. Please, of course, as always, like, follow, comment, rate, five stars only, and please share this episode with somebody you think might benefit from it it means the world to us i can't wait to see you next week where we have another fantastic guest remember you do not have to go through this alone please reach out to me at abby feeder at encircle fertility at the fertility chick all on instagram if you need some hand and heart holding to go through your journey see you soon